it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 209 as we are discussing the death of the Green Bay Packers. Joining me to do that this evening, I have Paul Mitchell, Gordon McInnes, Ian Stephen. Paul, we will get to the Packers, but an, an interesting week nine nonetheless. Some fascinating outcomes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you've got to talk about the general picture before we talk about just how goddamn awful the Packers are. And I don't want to Blood think that this podcast... Blasphemy, Paul, blasphemy. I don't think we're, we're going to concentrate on just the whole podcast about just how bad the Packers are. But I think I'd like to. We'll, we'll need to mention probably six, seven, eight, nine times in the opening two minutes just how bad the Packers are. So if you're picking up a theme, uh, that's the way it's going. A uh, couple of things. Obviously, the Colts have made a change at the top, uh, which is quite interesting. The Ravens finally decide to outscore an opponent in the fourth quarter for a change. Just happens to be my Saints, which was a little bit annoying, but I think they deserved that. And I think we're just starting to see a few teams start to come good as well, Cameron. So I think there's a great deal to talk about. There definitely is. Uh, Let's get stuck straight into the uh, Belter Award this week, because... I made joke to this on uh, social media when we asked for nominations, but there was a lot of people who just went for that very person. So there's a plethora for Joe Mixon. We'll come back to him because let's go through some of the others, right? Because there was some things to talk about. Uh, Sarah Taylor comes in with the Jets. Impressive win against the Bills. The man with the best name in the NFL strikes again. Sauce Gardner knocking the ball away to finish the game. Bunch of nominations for Justin Fields. Yoon Chalmers says, whilst another running back may have scored more touchdowns, Fields put together a far more all-round performance, four total touchdowns, 178 yards on the ground, and another 120 feet in the air. Did it all. Um, Phil Spears says, yeah, 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 Mixon. Fields broke Vic's rec- uh, regular season record. He nearly took Kaepernick's all-time single-game QB rush record, 178 yards rushing, also throwing for one or two as well. Um, Kenneth Walker gets a nomination from Sai Wachira. Impressive performance by the Seahawks rookie running back this season. Kirk Cousins gets one from Paddy Kelly. I just like the guy. How do you like that? <laughs> Ross Taylor gives his to the NFL official passer interference on the Viking safety. Uh, he says it really is only one person, but wanted to go for something different. What a play from the ref. The perfect block to get away with the passer interference. The way he fell, watching the ball was almost perfect. Del Boy, truly beautiful. Uh, the Jets actually got another couple of nominations from Ross Black, David Brown, Scott Kirkwood. Uh, Darren Barry gives his to Tom Brady. I nominated him for Bowfin Award a fortnight ago, so I have to now balance that out. First player in history to pass 10,000 yards. It's not 10,000, it's 100,000. Yeah, I would reckon he's got 10,000 by now, don't you worry? Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, <laughs> Ty's Payton for the fourth most, uh, for the most fourth quarter comebacks. He may have his doubters, but when you talk about clutch plays, that final drive proved that he still got it. Zach Wilson gets one from Jason Hoffman for no other reason than he came off a disastrous performance against the Pats and then looked like Josh Allen MVP candidate JA17 version against the Bills. What? Everyone apart what? from the Jets expected more disaster, but no. 
That's what, from Jason Hobbins, who's a Bills fan. What, what, <laughs> game, what game did he... I know they got beat in the game, but what game did he watch that he thought... Yeah, I don't how, think it was Zach much, Wilson that did it. How much does he hate Josh Allen that he thinks that Zach Wilson looked like MVP-level Josh Allen? That's satire. That's definitely satire. And I'm kind of... <laughs> so Zach, Zach Wilson was 18-25 for 154 yards, one touchdown, a career-high one, one quarterback rating. Exactly. That, that's Hall of Fame numbers, Gordon. That is Hall of Fame numbers <laughs> if you're a Jets quarterback. That Listen, is, compared to what he's been doing is Hall of Fame numbers, uh, the one other nomination that isn't for Joe Mixon is for Cameron Christie. He gives it to Tua. Over 300 yards and three touchdowns, a healthy Tua with weapons is a very good quarterback. Now, we took some heat on social media this week for not talking about the Miami Dolphins, not bigging them up. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about the Vikings and we nearly absolutely cursed them. So, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, you know, we picked up the Vikings. They almost lost that game. So we'll happily pick up the Miami Dolphins. I think we I think we what, have. Wasn't, wasn't our debate over the quarterback for Team of the Week last week between to and Joe Burrow. Um, I, 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 yeah, I'm pre- I'm two pretty sure. I think it was. That's it. I, I got I got outvoted. I'm pretty sure. Um, no, two or one. I think you you had the casting vote. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, it's hard to say that we don't talk enough about the Dolphins when we gave two of the quarterback of the week last week. I'm I'm looking through all my old notes. Um, to see what team of the week was, because I can't remember now. Uh, the one that I've picked up has Matt Ryan at quarterback. That's not recent. Uh, I could probably put that in the bin now. Uh, can can I can I can I talk about something that I noticed about the Dolphins? About part of the reason why they're so successful. Um, so the kind of theme in the NFL NFL over the last couple of years has been using motion of wide receivers quite a lot. And the general idea behind using motion is it tips the defense hand. It usually indicates if it's a zone or man for the quarterback. And it also maybe gives uh, a free release to a wide receiver that's not great getting off um, press from corners. Usually what happens is the wide receiver moves in motion, stops, sets, the ball snapped, and then they play. The Dolphins have integrated a bit of arena league into their um, formations. When the receiver comes across the formation, he doesn't stop. He kind of just keeps going round the corner, a bit like um, a bit like a, a a a dog trying to corner on a wooden floor. The kind of legs are going at the same time. But as soon as they do that, the corner that's against them. Uh, he can't get a press on him, but the corner panics because it's Tyreek Hill or it's Jalen Waddle that runs at him. And instead of using a normal back pedal and then transition, he immediately flips his hips and he's a, um, a complete and utter loss. And this is where Tua comes in because Tua is so good at doing this. Tua throws of anticipation. He knows exactly where his receiver's going to, so he throws to where he's going to, not what more inexperienced quarterbacks do and they try and throw directly to the receiver and that's when you get the defensive backs making an opportunity to make a play. He's so good at actually putting it to a place only the receiver can get to, especially on comebacks with Tyreek Hill um, because he's so good with his body control, he's been able to to snap his hips and come back. So that's why you're getting a lot of chunk plays 
for the Dolphins, but Tyreek Hill's not getting a lot of touchdowns because they're backing off him so much. So a lot of what he does is coming back to the ball. And it's also there's been a couple of plays where Tua just can't throw it. He's he's had Tariq wide open and he just could not get the ball anywhere near him, which is what we discussed um in the preseason about the Dolphins, the big concern about them. But that's the thing that I noticed um this week, and you'll see if you watch the Dolphins. When they bring the guy in motion, he doesn't stop. He just keeps going and it's causing an absolute panic. And expect to see a couple of our NFL teams start picking up on that and using it in the second half of the season. You know, I I think it's a real shame that we don't have Charles in this podcast for the reasons that we're going to get into. But pretty good that we've got Ian just dropping a tremendous breakdown like that. Maybe hopefully that appeases Dolphins fans that were upset that they didn't get talked about enough because they just got a nice little two and a half, three minute breakdown of why they're being so successful on offense. I think what the other thing that's quite interesting for me tip from that game was obviously two against Justin Fields. Now, how long do we give both these quarterbacks before decisions are made on whether they're any good or not? Justin Fields looked I thought looked okay, but we've seen this flashes of this once or twice. When will we know whether the Bears have got a quarterback they want to go with? And Tua, I think he makes an interesting point. Watching Tua, there was three, four, possibly five throws that only his receivers could have caught. And I think that's a real skill. But the flip side to that is they are two top-class receivers, uh, you know, who can sometimes make a slightly errant throw look look better. I mean, I'd be interested in your thoughts, Gordon, on whether you're convinced about either Tua or, or, or Jalen at this at this moment. Sorry, Justin so, Fields at this moment. And I actually think it goes a little bit hand in hand, and I think the success of the Dolphins this season probably tells the Bears what they need to do uh, with Justin Fields at quarterback in the next couple of years. So the Dolphins have Tua for another year, uh, like 2023 on a very low cap hit. They then have to make a decision and they'll they'll give him his fifth year option. He's playing well enough to, to make that um, a, you know, a necessary decision. So they'll have to pay a little bit more, but still not um, like over the odds money-wise. But what Tua has shown you this year, and I think Tua is playing really well, but what Tua has shown you this year is if you've got a quarterback who you think is good, maybe not great, maybe not Mahomes, maybe not Josh Allen, just surround them with really good wide receivers and you're probably going to get good results out of it. Justin Fields now, I don't understand why it took them so long, but the Bears are finally leaning into his rushing ability. He almost won that game for them on the basis of how good he can run the ball. He's not, he's not a great passer yet but he was a pretty good passer at Ohio State. He doesn't have receiving talent around him. Darnell Mooney's okay. So what the Bears are going to have to do in the offseason is follow that Dolphins blueprint, go out, get some speed at wide receiver, get another big-name wide receiver there, and you'll probably find they can compete for the NFC North in the next couple of years if they just put some talent around them. I think it, it looked for a little bit like Justin Fields wasn't going to get any talent around him and they were just going to expect them to be a drop-back passer and it wasn't really going to work. The last few weeks, we've seen them kind of cut him loose and let him focus on what he's good at. And I think it's been tremendous. Like I, The only downside for the Bears is that I reckon they're probably going to win a few more games down the stretch than, you know, they're probably not going to be a playoff team. Win a few games down the stretch, they're going to impact their draft position, but they're going to learn a lot about Justin Fields this year. 
It's interesting if you look at some of the stats, like we talked about Josh Allen there in the comparison with Zach Wilson. You look at Josh Allen's career to date, you know, overall, I don't know that passer rating is not what we look at, but to his career passer rating so far is higher than Josh Allen's is. Now, obviously, Josh Allen had a difficult start to his career. But again, you look at the most recent games, and in particular this season, where actually Tua's looked pretty good in all the games that he's played in, bar obviously getting rattled about the head. You know, that game against the Bengals, we kind of dismissed that, take that out. And actually, you've got to go back, and I'm just having a quick look here. Um, Fine, in January, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. He had no touchdowns in that game, one interception. Other than that, there's not been many games where he's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns. He's been fairly clean. He's now got weapons. He's got a great scheme master. Uh, some of the stuff that Ian was talking about there um, is set up for success. And sometimes you won't know how good a quarterback is until you see him in a good team and you see him in a not so good team. Um, I think there's lots to be excited about there. And I think the two is growing. Let's go. The one thing that we're never privy to is how players and coaches uh, interact with the player. And in the first couple of seasons in Philadelphia, everybody thought that Carson Wentz was going to be the franchise quarterback and he was fantastic. But you didn't see the little things behind the scenes that irritated some of our players and perhaps alarmed the front office. And it's the same with Russell Wilson in, in Seattle. You didn't see the little things that were going on there. Why would the Seattle let go of a franchise quarterback? It, it doesn't seem to make any sense. And you don't see that with these young quarterbacks. You don't know how much respect Justin Fields has, how much admiration that the coaching staff in the front office has for him. And it's these little things that can give the player that extra one or two years of confidence that you might not get with another player that comes in and is just an absolute bomb scare and clearly shouldn't be in the, the NFL. So one thing that we were never actually really... Um, privy to and it's, it's fascinating when you get those programs like All or Nothing that, that show little glimpses of that but then you've got to wonder how much sway do they have with the production team to say listen could you maybe edit that bit out it doesn't make our quarterback look very good yes indeed right we need to pick our belter we've obviously not really touched on Joe Mixon but let's go through some of the nominations uh, Kevin Taylor says five time, five touchdowns. Uh, Mark McCune says, who else could you pick? Joe Stevens says, really good name, even better week nine performance. Chris McKay says, well, obviously. Uh, Peter Coyne says, everyone already knows. Reese Nunes adds, well, he was, wasn't he? Lauren details it out a bit more. Single-handedly destroyed the Carolina Panthers with 22 carries, 153 yards, four touchdowns on the ground and chipping in with another four catches for 58 yards and a score. Honourable mention for Tom Brady. Wait, 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 Cameron. The best bit about that was when he, he did a little spin move at the back of the end zone to catch his pass and he went to Joe Burrow and go, oh, did you see the move that I did? And Burrow was just like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Right, is there anyone other than Joe Mixon? Open forum. Probably not, no. Yeah. Fine. If we've got consensus, let's do it nice and early. Let's raise a glass. I, I believe we have oh. a quorum. We have quorum. <laughs> <laughs> raise a glass to Joe Mixon. You are the Loch Lomond Belter of the week. Into the 
Bowfing nominations then, and I'll go through the ones that aren't uh, related in anything Wisconsin. Ross Taylor starts with the Indianapolis Colts. I do not understand this team. They weren't great, but they were in the mix. Sign a proven top quarterback, albeit an older one. To then bench him because of a clause they agreed, throwing a guy at quarterback that looks to be lacking in quality for this level. Now they fire the head coach. It's just burn it to the ground time and start again. Um, we will touch it on is, the Colts maybe, that, that's, but that's, that's wild. Why, that's why I actually think they're probably doing the right thing here. Like, I don't think it's non-deliberate what they've done in going from Matt Ryan, who might have accidentally won them a few games. This is a team that knows the benefit of the number one overall pick. And, you know, I think they might be charting their path, especially Sam Ellinger is not a starting NFL quarterback. Like, that's pretty apparent from what we've seen so far. Yes. And a head coach that can see it through its demise without having an impact on his career because actually he's not really going to be a head coach, is he? Um, well, it's really interesting. How Patsy Dun- Saturday is basically... <laughs> T- Tony Junji said this morning that if uh, Jim Isry had, had contacted me, I would have talked him out of uh, hiring uh, Saturday as the coach, which is quite something for him to... He, he's always been quite guarded. For him to actually come out and say that is quite quite something. Um and they were going into the game with uh, nobody that's ever that's ever called plays before. They don't have a coordinator that's called plays, an offensive coordinator. So and, just... and and the team they're playing against, their new head coach six days ago said was a bad football team on Twitter because he was a pundit at that point. Oh. Yeah. They're getting a whooping. Um speaking of that team, Cameron Christie says Raiders. A third 17-plus point lead blown this season. Unforgivable. Ross Black gives it to the Jags and the Raiders. Jags for the first half performance at home to a woeful Raiders outfit. Raiders for an abysmal second half showing in a game. They were 17 up. Great game to watch as a neutral, though. Josh Allen gets a couple from Bills fans. How quick they turn in Buffalo. Phil Spears says, I give him credit when it's due, but oh boy, did he have a stinker. First off, well-played Jets. Outstanding uh, defensive line play. Josh made some really bad throws. Two poor interceptions. Three more than should. Three more that should have been easy picks, if not for butterfingers in the secondary. No passing touchdowns for the first time this season. His last six quarters of play have really dented any MVP chances he had. And Jason Hoffman says six consecutive quarters of Bowfin football. Four utterly awful interceptions and a part. Oh, it's too early for that. And a performance against the Jets that made him look like a poor man's Zach Wilson. <laughs> Jason, man, we're going to have to talk you back here. Oh, how I am looking forward to my two-week, three-game trip to Buffalo and Detroit, leaving Friday, Vikings, Browns and Lions. And now Josh Allen may be injured. Fuck. His exact words. Um... Ian, was there something on that you said earlier that might have been breaking? Yeah, well, no. The, <laughs> and it's not the, his elbow. Yeah, I saw the injury happen at the time. Um, and as soon as I saw it, um, I saw that, that's, that actually looks quite quite bad for a, um, a quarterback. The, the elbow is obviously one of the most important appendages. You can maybe get a quarterback that has a knee or an ankle injury and they can play on. But if your elbow's done, then it's, it's not great, especially because a lot of his game is... Uh, power and torque that he delivers with his throws they think it's a 
was it a UCL, I think they called it. They're having uh, scans done on it, and it doesn't look um, it doesn't look great. Um, the backup is uh, Case Keeman, so at least he's experienced. Um, I think Case is trying to hold the record for most amount of salary for least amount of games played in the NFL. As his permanent, um, he'll struggle. Role. He'll struggle to top uh, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel at the absolute. His ratio of snaps to millions of dollars was incredible. Sam Bradford must be in that mix as well because he spent so long injured. And he, well, had... he was he was also like the last. I'm sure he was the last of the old first round picks. Yeah, before yeah. the rookie wage scale came in, and then he got traded to the Eagles. Was it or the Vikings? Yep. Whoever it was, he got traded to first for the first round and got a new a new contract again. So it's I mean it's um it's major major because um. I, I think that now flips. If, if that is a, a, an elbow injury for Allen, it flips the Bills from being the number one seed in the AFC. And I think it's the, the Chiefs that are going to be favourites to to take that now. Um, so interesting to see what happens when all the, the, this stuff comes back. But then are they going to start playing silly beggars with the injury report, claiming that he's fine and he'll play and he's not really? And that's a, the NFL kind of trying to game things. Some other nominations that we've got. Josh McDaniels gets one. Paddy Kelly says, insert the video of the Arsenal fan saying it's time to go. Up to halftime, played pretty well and completely chucked it in the second half. The guy clearly isn't head coach material and should go back to being Bill Belichick's sidekick. Season in tatters, hefty contracts handed out, and another decade of misery begins. Love the optimism of the Raiders fans. Um, Lauren Callahan gives it to the back judge in the Commanders Vikings game. He just got nominated for a belter for the very same thing that Lauren has given him a Bowfin award for. So, you know, you can't say that football doesn't divide opinion, right? Uh, finally, Scott Kirkwood gives his to the Rams. Just absolute dug meat from top to bottom. If Ramsey could stop passes the way he likes to talk shite, we'd be in a much better position, which I think sums it up very well. I was like a cheap shot at the Rams. Now, the rest of them are for Aaron Rodgers and a couple in there for the Packers. Sarah Taylor, simply, and I'll lead with this because I think this is exactly the sentiment on the podcast. Sarah Taylor says, the Green Bay Packers, is Charles there? Question mark. Tell him I said, ha, 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 But let's get past that and talk about some of the actual things that were going on here. Darren Barry says, since you're dedicating this week's pod to all things Green Bay, now we've not done that. We kind of alluded, we will get to it. It would be rude to leave out the league's most valuable player from last season and talk about the turnaround of fortunes in less than a year. First time in nearly five years, he's thrown three picks in the same game, seven picks so far this season, compared with only four in the whole of last year. Things are not looking good for the postseason. That's quite the, um, yeah, postseason. Um, Kevin Taylor just simply says three interceptions against the Lions in all capitals. Well done for uh, that's Aiden Hutchison's first interception, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He actually played it like a tight end. Yeah. Oh, um, Justin Houston had a fantastic um, game last night. There wasn't any nominations for him. I don't think he did, though. This is so I watched it this morning. And we're going massively off. off yeah, we've already uh, gone listen, off the football he's, he's named after a town in Scotland. Just give the guy credit. So, <laughs> no, but so he had 
by the NFL's thing, it's two and a half sacks, three sacks. Two of them were unblocked. The the third was when Andy Dalton was like nine, nine and a half yards deep. So a lot easier for, for pass rushers. And he didn't register another pressure at all. And then the interception was nice, but it's like one of those, like the balls tipped up things. It was one of those weird, one of those weird stat games that's like, it's like a receiver that <clears throat> a receiver that has like three touchdowns on the three catches. See, what anyway. I'd like to say is that this is representative of the Green Bay Packers season. It starts reasonably well and all of a sudden you just, you go off the rails to something else completely. So I think, <laughs> well done, boys. I think you've illustrated that properly. I think as we get into the Packers, you've only got to go back a few weeks where Aaron Rodgers was criticising his own teammates. And when he was asked about it, he said, I don't think it should be a problem for any of those guys to hear criticism. Well, it's not worked, has it? So the, there is certainly something that looks fairly dysfunctional um, within that locker room. And basically, you've, you've only just got to go, you know, Google it and it, everything is, what is wrong with them? Why, why are they doing that? I mean, I mean, they are three and six. Nobody saw that coming. They've I been beaten that. by what we consider to be poor, poor teams. And it's, you know, they are coming off three consecutive division titles. So you've got to give them that. There's going to be a dip at some point. But, you know, they, they are falling off a cliff at the moment. They are currently on track. And as the standings go, the 2022 Packers, as it stands right now, are the 15th worst Packers team ever in the team's history. And they've got Aaron Rodgers under centre. Now, you could chuck a whole load of stuff here about, ah, oh, he's not got Devontae Adams. Uh, it's never really held him back before. You go back over the games that he's had without Devontae Adams, uh, and you can see that his performance is totally fine. I think, you know, there was a game, in fact, it started this season, he didn't get a single touchdown um, against uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Four touchdowns against the Falcons last year. Without Two years ago, sorry. Last year, one game against Arizona. Without him, two touchdowns. He threw game against New Orleans in 2020. That was a decent New Orleans team at that point. Three touchdowns there. Uh, game against the Raiders, you know, the Chiefs. He's performed very, very well without Devontae Adams. And we've been told for so long that that's the only talent that's there. I it's... I struggle to understand what uh, they're they're in a really a really tough spot at this point because the NFC isn't good, so <clears throat> they're going to be able to battle for the seventh seed for a good while yet. And the reality is, they'd probably be better just starting Jordan Love for the rest of the year, find out what they've got because they're they don't look remotely close to being a Super Bowl winning team. The tough thing is, is that Rogers is still. We saw with Brady this week on that final drive. Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. If they got to the play, if you were if you were another team in the NFC, how much would you really want to play them in the playoffs? Because I probably wouldn't. Not at Lambeau. Like, not at Lambeau, but it's not going to be at Lambeau. No, but even even away from Lambeau, like you're still like look at the potential quarterback matchups there. So I, if you're the if you're the Eagles, if you're the Cowboys, I don't think you really care who you play in the playoffs apart from avoiding each other for as long as possible. Um, because I think they're clearly the two best teams in the NFC just now. If you're the Giants, you'd probably don't want to play the Packers. If you're the Seahawks, you probably like that. That's the matchup for the Seahawks. If they win the NFC West and they wind up having to play the Packers, that it's 
it's not it's not really a fun matchup to get a quarterback who you know is more than capable. My problem with them the other night, well, I mean, they were able to move the ball, but I was expecting to run the ball more. They seem to come away from the run pretty easily. Now, you guys might know better than me, but I didn't imagine the Lions had the best run defense in the world. So how much of this is actually on the play calling as well as it is on, on Aaron Rodgers? Because I would have thought they would have run an awful lot more on them. I, I just expect Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball better in the red zone than he does. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe there's play calling issues there, but they're just not. The tough thing for the Packers as well is the injuries are racking up as well. That's Rashawn Gary out for the season. Someone who was thought of as a potential defensive player of the year this year. So it kind of feels like, you know, you hate to tank, but if you could find out that Jordan Love isn't your quarterback this year and finish with a top five to 10 pick, throw another pick in and wind up with like a Bryce Young or someone, you know, maybe that's how you kind of turn this around a little bit. Gordon, it's... I want to be in the room when Matt LaFleur says to Aaron Rodgers, I'm sitting you for the rest of the season, mate. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, we'll hear all about it if that happens. That'll be uh, many he publicly. He won't, he won't sit. He'll, he'll pick up an injury which won't allow him to play for the rest of the season and Jordan Love will play. I don't think they'll do the same thing that they did with Eli and, and Benji Eli. I, I think they'll invent an injury and then quietly ask him to sit down. I, I don't think Aaron There's not would play along with that, though. Gordon, you're right. There is not a hope in hell. He'll be he, on he Pat McAfee straight away. Pat McAfee <laughs> or any of these shows as quickly as you can. He'd be holding press conferences outside Lambeau Field on his own. There is not a hope that he would go quietly into the good night. Not a chance. But back to your point as well, Paul. Packers ran 33 plays in the first half. Six of them went to Aaron Jones. Um, Rogers was on the Pat McAfee show saying things like, we need to get the ball to 33 more. Um, Taron Char- Rogers. Char- more. Charles told us in the preseason that the, the Packers had the best running back duo in the NFL and they're not using them. And, and I mean, even then, like AJ Dillon got the ball a couple of times, didn't do very much. But if they're not giving it to Aaron Jones, he certainly can't do anything with it. It was Andy Herman um, had posted, you know, I cannot get over the absurdity of not using your best player over and over and over and over again. I mean, for all the things, holy, trade him at the deadline if you're not going to use him. Um, my favourite tweet was, and PFF retweeted this one, Lil Wayne is not happy with the Packers. Lil Wayne saying, rest in peace to the season. We should have gotten rid of 12 before the season. The, so, the running know. the ball thing as well, though, if you look at the stats from the game, like AJ Dillon averaged 3.1 yards per carry. Aaron Jones averaged 2.8. Like they ran for 106 yards and 22 carries, which is 4.8, which seems actually pretty good. Like, oh, why didn't you run the ball more? 40 of those came on one Aaron Rodgers run, uh, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm looking at that correctly. So it's like, you know, it's. Is that what it, Dan Campbell set up the, the game plan? I'll be honest, I haven't seen this entire match. Is this a case that Dan Campbell has set up the game plan and gone, right, Aaron, find your receiver? You're not going to run the ball today see what you can do through the air, and they've just gone for it. However, that doesn't really explain at the goal line because you could still run it. Um, and again, there's there's like stats about how the performance was at the goal line, and it was pretty good. horrific. First and goal, lines five-yard line, zero points. First and goal, lines one-yard line, zero points. First and 10, lines 23 yards, zero points. First and 10, lines 14 yards, three points. First and 10, lines 17, zero points. The Packers lost by six. Um, you know, it just... 
It, it, but this is, I think this is the point for me is what do they do now? What's the season? Because fine, they could push on, but let's look at their schedule, right? Because the schedule's not exactly in their favor either. Um, um, and, and you look at the games that they've got coming up, right? And let's just very realistically run through these because they've not got a lot of games left. They play the Cowboys this, this weekend. Week. Yeah, this week they play the Cowboys, right? So maybe they get a win, but this is a decent Cowboys team that's going for the division. Tough game. Then they play the Titans on Thursday night football with Derek Henry. And obviously with Rashad Gary out that game, you got to think that that's a tough one for them to win. They then play the Eagles uh, the week, for Thanksgiving weekend. So they I'm going to say they do get the mini buy before that game, though. So that that's where it's on the road. So it's not great, but that mini buy helps. Do you honestly see them beat based on how they're playing, beating the Cowboys, the Titans, or the Eagles in the next three games? I would. I, do you know what? We've not had one yet this year. Burger Bet says they win at least one of those games. No, a good Burger Bet, Gordon, would be to be brave and say they'll win two. Yeah, I'll take two. If you're willing to go two, I'll take your Burger Bet. Yeah, okay. Why not? Fine. Uh, yeah, Charles would be proud of you. Uh, so, fine. Let's say they win two out of those three. So, that's, that's that. Then they play the Bears. Let's give them that one. Then they'll play the Rams. Good chance to win that one because yeah, the Rams are fine. Let's give them that. Then they play the Dolphins in Miami. So that the, the Dolphins we're... are playing probably a defeat. I'm thinking. So what are we saying at that point? That's like what four and two over that. Four stretch? and two from that. Then they play the Vikings. So I'm going. To, uh, but I'm mm, I'm going to say four and three, and then they play the Lions. So we'll give them benefit of the doubt and five and three through the rest of the season. That still leaves them eight and nine overall. Which is probably um, seven seed in the NFC based on the way the <laughs> NFC is going at this point. <laughs> yeah, and do you know what? That probably would put them back in. I don't know. I just maybe that is going to happen. It's not too late to turn the season around. This isn't the outcome I expected when we were going to sit and talk about the Packers and not to the PCs. But <laughs> I, I tell you, like they do, they they do need to win probably two out of those three games though, because they then only really have room to drop. If if they if they only win one out of those next three games, they probably can afford one more loss the rest of the way. Just tough. Anybody else think this is... We're, we're going to learn an awful lot more about Aaron Rodgers here because if you put other quarterbacks in this situation, I think you would trust them to pull their team through. I'm just wondering if there's too much of a rift between Rodgers and his teammates, because you would look, you know, a Brady in this kind of situation, you would trust to bring the team with him and come through. Do we trust that with Aaron Rodgers? Or is he just too far away from his own teammates now who, rather than step up and try and get the limelight, are almost thinking, well, I don't want my number called here because I'm just going to get called out by number 12. You know, Rodgers, you know, does he have the fire and the ability to bring this team back? Which is some question, given the fact, you know, back-to-back MVP seasons. I I think, and I'm going to completely take out of this, like, obviously, opinions are opinions, right? Whether they be good or bad, whatever. I don't really care. I think, for me, the worrying thing about Rodgers is he is so distracted by his own voice 
that he's spending so much time out there talking about things and very publicly talking about teammates. And these wide receivers, when he's saying, you know, these guys aren't good enough, they're going to give someone else a go, they're going to know who they are. That's not the confidence booster. That type of management will work for some and it will not work for others. But I don't feel like he's seen any kind of pickup from it. So he needs to rethink his strategy if he's trying to be an effective game manager, people manager of his own team. For me, though, if, if he's... And again, if I'm playing for him, and I never will, but um, the fact that he's out there spending so much time using his voice and chatting more, he's, he's not focused on the game and the, the situation in hand. It's the same as Russell Wilson. Like Russell Wilson's not having a great start, and he's out doing... And I still love his sandwich ad... And I know Gordon's going to turn on me because I have a brother to Russell Wilson. Because talking about Russell Wilson, it's relevant every time. It's relevant. You you, you honestly, I have have never been more convinced of anything else in my life that you suffer from a medical condition whereby (laughs) if you do not mention Russell Wilson once every two days, you you just die. You just die. Relevant. Relevant. There's a movie um, in that. What a great movie plot that would make. That would be utterly tremendous. If we're talking about Denver, can I just basically give a shout out to all the Denver fans that I spoke to in London who had a wild time um, when they beat the Jags. They were good fun. And it was nice to see, you know, Denver fans smiling. They've not had a great deal to smile about this Paul, year. Paul, but- tell, tell the truth. Were you having a wild time as well with these Broncos fans down in London? Ian, my life is just a wild time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a funny name on speed that we could name this Russell Wilson film. But like, my point is more like, rather than focus just on the game, uh, on the thing in hand, he needs to cut the noise and the nonsense and focus on the season. And for me, until he does that, and again, you could go, you could blame a lot of this on the front office as well, because you look at the Devontae Wyatt first round pick. And, you know, he's not exactly contributed a huge amount so far. Fine, that's not an awful lot to expect from a rookie. But it just wasn't the position they needed to address. You know, that makes that lack of a wide receiver even worse. Even worse, especially given how some of them are thriving already. Cameron, if you're building a successful team in the NFL you, you, and you've got a big lineman there, you take them um, either side of the ball wide receivers, you pick them up second, third, fourth round, traditionally it's only in the last five years of first round receivers have been such a success coming into the NFL so the, the Packers are going to be there for the next 30, 40, 50 years, it's not about Rogers and you see franchises have got two different approaches. Do you are you like the Rams and you just chuck in all your draft picks? We won't draft ever again and we'll just trade for people because we want to win now. Or are you a franchise that's going to build for the future? And the Packers have always been a, a building franchise. They've never been a, a free agent splash sort of um, team. And that's maybe the way. That, I mean, the the fact they've brought in Jordan Love is they they think there is going to be a transition in that roster and they will be moving on from Aaron Rodgers so they might not see the necessity to mortgage the future and just hoping that he'll have success and they're going to look to keep building for the next 10 years do we uh do we need to actually pick a bowfin yes we do <laughs> I feel like we've gone a long way with it actually uh Joe Mixon <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's the Packers surely yeah is it the whole Packers or is it Aaron Rodgers himself? Uh, 
I, I, I put the coaching staff in there as well. But, I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm sorry. Actually, alternative option. Why don't we just give it on, an honorary Bowfin to Charles Patterson because he's not here? You can represent the Packers for this Bowfin Award. That's a, that's a step too far. We need to do that when he's here to defend but, himself. But, but he's not showing up. He's not, he's to be fair, he has not shown up. I tagged him numerous times in our group chat and he, he hasn't even responded. Um, the poor boys all rugby league world cup. Um, this is so. true. However, we did look. There are no rugby league fixtures at the point that we're recording this podcast. So, you know, just, just saying... I, t- I think he gets it by proxy. I think we give it to the Packers and Patterson. Let's just give them a bunch, a job lot. Get it all done. There you go. Decision made. Bowfin Award done. And final question on it. Is is Aaron Rodgers at the Packers next season? I know he's under contract. Don't Do you so. see him being there? <laughs> he's he's the next declining quarterback that gets traded to the Colts. Just give him the head coach job as well. Player manager, I'll tell you. That's what, that's what Chris Ballard and the Colts, rather than the Rams not having first-round picks, they're just not going to have second-round picks until 2027, and there's just <laughs> these old quarterbacks coming out year after year. I'd, I can see him being filled full of spite and going to the Lions to try and... like Because Favre went to the Vikings, so he, he's going to go to the Lions to try and get revenge on the Packers for dumping them. I, I, if I had to guess, I would assume it would be somewhere west coast, like it would be San Francisco. Mm, if Trey Lance is broken, I, I think it wouldn't entirely shock me to see one of the two old quarterbacks wind up in San Francisco next year. Oh, I don't want either of them. Ah, I assume the other one you mean is Brady. Yes. Ah, yeah. Now, when we had this conversation two years ago. Might have considered that. I don't want either of them now. Right, let's go on to team of the week. And as per the rules, Mixon is running back. So, uh, next we need to pick a quarterback. (laughs) Well, I think we can rule out Aaron Rodgers. Yes, we can. Um, Um, is it Zach Wilson because of his MVP? No, it's not <laughs> Zach Wilson. Jesus, <laughs> rep. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, shall we? Shall we say? Uh, I I think two is in with it. Was two good again this week? Two was okay. Jiro Smith was okay again. Going to give him a little bit of love for for the way he played for the Seahawks going past the Cardinals. I watched quite a lot of that game. I have no idea what Kyler Murray is. Genuinely, no idea. It's some place he looks magnificent, and others he looks like the sort of the, five foot the, seven that the he is. The fumble was incredible because it was this amazing play to get free, and then he avoids a tackle, and the ball just like slips out. His Pops head. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, not, he carries it really low. He carries it like he's bowling a ball. Like, a, a, yep. It's it's not a good. It's he needs to work on that. Keep it uh, up to your chest and just learn to run from the elbow up. Um. Tua's a good shot. I think Tua's a really good shot. 21 for 30. Fine, it's against the Bears. 302 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks, no fumbles. Rating of 135.7. It's pretty clean, right? You know, you look at Mahomes. Mahomes got a bunch of yards. He only threw for one touchdown. He threw as many interceptions. I don't think it was a great Mahomes performance. Um, Aaron Rodgers actually threw for the third most yards. But, yeah, he was trash. Um, Then it's Geno Smith gets an honourable mention, but I think it's Tua. I think so. 
Fine. Yeah, I'm not okay. going to fight you on that. Offensive line. Um, the Bengals? The Bengals is a great shout because of how dominant Joe Mixon was. Do the Bears get a shout in this conversation? Mm. No. So I struggle a little bit with this because I thought the same that, like, I thought the Ravens ran the ball really well last night, but so much of that comes from the quarterback making things very difficult. Whereas I thought the, the Bengals just ran the ball really well. They definitely I mean, did. I, I like the Falcons line. I thought they were pretty strong. Um, you know, they lost the game. I, I appreciate that, but I thought they looked good. Um, you know, they were putting a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert. Every time it seemed to go to red zone, it seemed like he was in a little bit of trouble. So, um, you know, so on both sides of the ball, I like the Falcons, but I think Mariota has plenty of time behind his line. I still think that's a game they, they should have won and gave it away. Um, so I, I, quite I, don't, like I don't have anything against Atlanta being the the offensive line, I thought them the Bengals probably two two strongest. Uh, Ian, you get casting vote. Yeah, Falcons fighting with them. Okay, there you go. Falcons, it is right. We need three wide receivers. Um, Tyreek Hill again, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> well, no, he, he's disqualified for the, the the interview he gave after the game, which was. Possibly the worst interview in the history of the NFL, starting with the the interviewer holding the microphone to her all the time, even when he was answering, and then somebody obviously that's not him. No, I know, but it didn't help. And then he trotted out cliche after cliche after cliche. Uh, and genuinely, if I if I'd been the director and recorded that, I wouldn't have put it out on air. It was so bad. In terms of his on the field play, it's hard to argue against. How about Garrett Wilson of the of the Jets? And I think you he's know. the real the real reason they were good on offense. Just incredibly smooth yeah. runner. Just brilliant, brilliant player. I think he's going to be really good for them. I think uh, Devontae Adams has got to be in the conversation as well. Yep. I think Adams has to be in for his performance. Two touchdowns, first half performance uh, particularly. First half performance, uh, two touchdowns. He had 146 yards. He led on that. In fact, he was the only wide receiver to have two touchdowns. So Devonnie Adams is one of the three. Um, Tyree Kills in the conversation. Justin Jefferson had another great game. Um, Joshua Palmer, I thought, did all right as well. Came in, given the the injuries there to the first two receivers. Found himself a wide receiver one, uh, over 100 yards. Cooper Cup as well. He's on course to try and break the receptions record this season. I think he's um, coming up averaging just like one past the record. So who are we taking? It's Adams? Adams, Hill, and then take your pick out of Cooper Cup, Jefferson, and Garrett Wilson. Will Wilson had the most impact. They'd be a genuinely, genuinely good team. And I think if you want impact, I mean, yeah, Jefferson, they beat the Commanders, not the biggest deal in the world. Uh, and the Rams lost to the Bucks. So I think Garrett Wilson had the, the biggest impact out of those names. I'm happy to put Wilson in on the fact that we don't have any Jets in this team. So yeah. fine, yeah. Garrett Wilson it is. Okay, that leaves one position left, tight end. Uh, and again, the same conversation week after week. But uh, Travis Kelsey... Dallas Goddard, actually, 
probably deserves a, a pretty good shout here. He was very impressive. Noah Fant actually had a really good game as well. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I thought, had a good game considering that he had just moved over. Uh, you know, didn't have a lot of time to learn the playbook, but immediately contributed to the offense. I don't know that he's done enough to be in the conversation this week. Hopefully we'll talk to him again soon. I'm quite happy to go with Dallas Goddard. I think he really was a big part of that win. I mean, Ian would be too polite to say because it's Indeed. easy. But you're right. And just on Noah Fant, he is one of the most frustrating players in the whole league when it comes to trying to pick somebody for your tight end slot in fantasy football. But it was nice to actually see him starting to do things. I think there's a bit of potential there. Uh, but Dallas Goddard, yeah. So there you have it. This week's Team of the Week, we've got Tua in at quarterback. Behind the Falcons' offensive line, his weapons are... Garrett Wilson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Dallas Goddard with Joe Mixon, his five-touchdown scoring running back. There you go. And I think it's only fair, and I know San Francisco weren't playing, but I thought Christian McCaffrey was magnificent at the weekend. Just he was relaxing, taking it easy. The way he went to the kitchen to get his snacks, he was outstanding, Cameron. You should be be proud. Hanging out with his best pal, Kyle. Yeah, you should be (laughs) proud. Yeah. I there's nothing that man has done so far since coming to San Francisco that I've been disappointed with. That's all I'll say. Before we turn our attention and share our thoughts for week 10, we're joined once again by the lads up at the WinFL show as they're back with another upset of the week. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. I'm Ian McKinnon. I'm joined by Dave Somerville. And Dave, we were so close with last week's prediction of the Commanders over the Vikings. So close, but it didn't work out. So um, I think we're going to have to try and redeem ourselves this week. So what we're going to do, Dave, is we're going to hand it over to our man in the field, Callum Blaine. He should be there somewhere in Las Vegas. Uh, Can you hear us, Callum? Yes, yes I can. I find myself at the Fountains of Bellagio. I'm just waiting for Elvis now. Ah, Elvis, could you tell the lovely people at home who's going to be the upset of the week in the NFL? Hi, man, it's, uh, it's all rock and roll, man. You know, like my mommy saying, Tupelo and Graceland, you know, just taking care of business, man. 110% of the really important big lessons, you know, and I try not to try to uh, hurt my family or offend anybody. Oh, 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 you know, uh, thank you very much. Ooh, this is going to be a rough one for Cameron over at Stramash. It's going to be the LA Chargers over the San Francisco 49ers. As bold claims from Mr. Elvis Presley. We'll hand it to you guys at the studio. Well, Chargers over the 49ers. Dave, I mean, what do you think of this one? Can the Chargers beat the 49ers? Give us your take. They can. They might not, but they can indeed. Um, I think there's a few things that they have to do, though. Um, the Chargers really need to get the run game going early and get it solidly going upfield. I think Fred Warner's going to be a big block to that for the 49ers. But, um, yeah, Chargers have a few things going for them. I think Justin Herbert's starting to come back after his weird kind of rib injury that he had. Um, they're getting one or two guys back from injuries, but they've also got Mike Williams out and Keenan Allen with injury troubles. So they've got one or two one or two injuries, but I think the 49ers coming off a bye week are a little bit susceptible to slipping up. They're probably the most inconsistent team in the entire league. They've got a lot of injury returns coming back, though, this week. They've got Debo coming back. Uh, they've got Dre Greenlaw as well, the linebacker coming back in. Um, I, I just... Um, I just 
feel like the Chargers and LA are going to get a little bit of their own back. Not that I'm holding any grudge whatsoever from a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, but what I do think, what there is one key stat going in our favor, which is that coming off the bye week, Cal Shanahan is one and four uh, coming off the bye week each season. So that's just ever so slightly going in their going in their favor. But the 49ers are so inconsistent. Teams that they should be beating, they're getting beat by. And teams that are quite close to them, they're absolutely hammering. So we don't know what's going to happen. I think the Chargers are going to win. I'm going to go for a bold, bold prediction. I'm going to see a 23-17 to win to the Chargers. 23-17 to the Chargers. I, I suppose the, their main objective will be to slow down that attack of Christian McCaffrey and now adding Debo Samuel into the mix. That's that sort mm-hmm. of um, double-headed attack the 49ers have got. But I can see where you're coming from. It is a long shot, but that's what we do here on the WinFL show. It's long shots. That's why it's the upset of the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to hand it back over to the guys at the Stramash podcast. Okay, gentlemen, week 10. Do we not what? need to do uh, competition winners for week Yes, I was going to do that later, but fine, okay. let's do that now. No, fine, you've reminded me. <laughs> I did have it on my list, but uh, let's do it right now. Uh, Paul, you've not done it for a wee while, so it's between 1 and 31. Uh, all the twos, 27. For God's sake. That's also the number of points. <laughs> the number of points the Saints gave up last night. Which is why I picked it, correct. <laughs> Congratulations to Paddy Kelly. You are the winner of a bottle of Loch Lomond Stramash whiskey and a couple of tumblers. They will be winging their way to you very, very soon. Don't you shake your head at me. They're tumblers. You'll have it any other way. (laughs) Right. Uh, Week 10. What are the headlines? What are the games that we're interested in? What is a load of old toots? Of course. How can we not? Of course. It's the only headline, isn't it? And actually, it's one of these games when it came out, you thought, yeah, Bucks and Seahawks. Seahawks are looking good. I think it's a really interesting game. I am fascinated by this so much. Two teams I love to the bottom of my heart. Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to Murrayfield to watch Scotland play the All Blacks instead. I think you'll have more luck watching the Bucks play the Seahawks, but that's another story. (laughs) Uh, but it'll be it will be really fascinating to see how this goes down. Ian, you talked about this a couple of pods ago that we anticipate that the atmosphere in Germany might be a few levels up from what it's become in London at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's going to be as close to, to our version of a football atmosphere that you you'll get. I think the, the NFL. I think it's going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah, there's no, there's not going to be anyone in hospitality eating prawn sandwiches at that one. There'll be prawn pretzels. Um, prawn cutlet. And as a game, though, see the beginning of the season, this looked like a dud. And I think that after all the chat about being Bucks versus the Chiefs, and there was a bit of hype, oh, the great Bucks against the Chiefs. This is now Tom Brady trying to turn around his season against the Geno Swift Seahawks team that's doing amazing. This is a fascinating game that Germany's been served up for their debut. It'll be great. Sorry, I I, I just can't uh, stop thinking about prawn currywurst now. I think I've actually invented a, a mega snack, and I'm now going to have to investigate this. 
So I'll be back in about a month's time after I've <laughs> went through a variety of gourmet chefs getting this prepared. Oh. Excellent. And we could we could do a, a consumer test at our Championship Sunday event that we'll inevitably have in Edinburgh this January. Prawn bratwurst for everyone. Oh. Hashtag bread iron eats. <laughs> Hashtag makes you run quicker than Christian McCaffrey, but that's another story. Um the so going past that, the other games, the Bears Lions. Uh yeah. See who might be able to finish above the Packers. Interesting. Not. The the early slate of games is is pretty terrible. It has to be said. Uh, you know, Panthers Falcons doesn't excite Bears Lions. Yeah, potentially Dolphins. Dolphins Browns interesting for the Dolphins fans. Titans Broncos not really. Bills Vikings. If, if Josh Allen's Allen, fit, yeah. Josh Allen doesn't play that. It, it's not got the same take on on the game there. Giants Texans you would expect comfortable. Chiefs Jaguars. I mean, the Giants are ninety seven percent in the picks. I think the Chiefs are ninety eight percent. Steelers remind- Saints doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm not surprised after Monday night. Uh, can we can we rewind back on Bills Vikings? If Josh Allen doesn't play that game in case Keenum starts for the Bills, did anyone here pick the Vikings to win that? Because I don't think I would. Even if Case Keenum plays? Yeah, I, I just think they're a far better team. At home. I, I just Maybe I'm being really harsh to the Vikings, but the Vikings are 7-1. and one. And how many games have you watched them play this year where you've went, oh, yeah, they're really good? Like, the Eagles have won one more game than them. And you're like, oh, yeah, the Eagles are the Eagles are dominant. It's not, not just that they're getting the results that they need to get without necessarily being splashy about it. Like, mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook's not having a, the best of seasons, but Kirk Cousins seems to be playing really well. Ian sat on this very podcast and talked about how they could be the number one seed in the NFC. I think if I sat in the podcast, it would be irrevocably <laughs> destroyed. Statistically, though, like, and I, I hate being the oh, statistically, this is if you look at over history and you can see this, but uh, results in one score games is not particularly uh, instructive to like how good you're going to be. Generally speaking, over the course of the season, at the start, you might be like, oh, you're four and one in one score games and then you come back to about four and four or you'll see teams be like eight and one one season and the next season it kind of flips like it's just because the sport naturally has quite a bit of luck about it if it's a one score game it's probably been decided by like one or two plays that might have had a bit of luck in them i don't know they're they're seven and one but i just I, i don't i just have yet to watch them and think yeah this is a really good football team which is seven and one you probably should think that Gordon, if a team goes eleven and five and are three and one in single score games, then you're a bit more impressed by that, you know, because they're yeah. winning, you know, multiple games by more, and that's what the Vikings haven't done. I mean, I think Cousins played pretty well, but was I convinced they were going to beat the Commanders? Yes, and then I watched the game, and not really was the was was the simple answer thereafter. It just did not look good at all. So I think they've still got a lot of work to do to convince people um, that they're going to be 
any good whatsoever. It's just one of these weeks where there's a lot of games that are fairly, they're meaningful if it's your team, it's meaningful if it's, you know, you're trying to continue like the Dolphins, for example. There's not a great deal else. I mean, you look at the sort of slightly later slate, Rams Cardinals doesn't do it. Packers Cowboys will get, you know, a heck of a lot of attention. I think think Rams Cardinals is interesting though because of the off-seasons that the two of them are having. And that division's so tight that a little win there could see one of them going a little run. I think that's not that's that's got interest and intrigued. Anyway, sorry. What I what what I'm proposing um, is you have the the sausage the worst with the curry sauce, <laughs> but the prawns so a little like shrimp oh. maybe on on it as well at the same time. So it's not the verse is made out of prawn. You, you have your actual pork sausage, the curry sauce, and then you've got the little bits of prawn in there as well. So um, do you eat the prawn first or, or is the worst? No, you it's not, it's not just is like it in a bun? prawn. It's, it's, it's a little bit. Um, they usually don't serve it in a bun. It's usually in a tray with chips as well. And the sausage yep. is kind of cut okay. up bite-sized. So because the sausage is bite-sized, you can eat it with a cocktail stick, but you can eat the prawns at the same the same time. Is it like the brat versus one giant Tom Brady finger and he's wearing all seven Super Bowl rings that are represented by prawns on that one finger? Yes, yes, possibly. And in fact, yeah. you could even do that because the bucks are there. You could call it Tom Brady's finger of fun, and it could just be a brat first. I'm, I'm looking at seriously. I'm Oz. looking at pi- pictures Oz. of the pictures of this. Like, no, you have to pay twenty quid for a burger at um, Wembley, and um, not not if you're in hospitality, you don't. I'm sorry, Ian. We we've avoided the subject long enough. We're going to have to talk about the 49ers and the Chargers. I'm sorry. Yes, but but I'm I'm looking at a picture, a tray of like versed. <laughs> And it's got f- fries and it's got the mayonnaise on it and it just looks fantastic compared to the food that we get here. We should be having all NFL games in Germany and Scotland. <laughs> if, if you want good food, go to the Centre Circle Club in Wembley. That was an experience of wonderful food in a game. Um, 49ers, Chargers and Eagles Commanders will round it off on Monday Night Football. Um, it's not the most exciting Monday Night Football, but I'd be quite interesting to see how the Eagles do in the Command, Commanders are getting a winning record, and there's the talk at the moment about them getting taken over by Jeff Bezos and Matthew McConaughey. So there's a lot of buzz around the the, the Washington team. Uh, so that might actually, and if, if if there's ever going to be a game that you trip up on when you're undefeated, it's going to be against a divisional rival in Monday Night Football. I think that might actually end up being a bit of a, a slobber knocker. Indeed, it might. Um, just we're briefly pausing this to to just share. That's a prawn sausage, sausage absolutely dripping in prawns. That doesn't work well on a podcast, but there no, you go. That's just that's just a bun with melted cheese on top. It's not a bun. It's a sausage. Is it no, not? That was, a, that was a bun, mate. It, it's a yeah. That's a, I'm assuming there's a sausage in there because it's like hot dog style. Can't yeah. actually see right. Anyway, this doesn't no, work on a podcast. So a- anyway, yeah. <laughs> So games I'm really interested in, the Dolphins, if the Dolphins beat the Browns, the Browns are in a bit of a hole to try and make the playoffs, even with Deshaun Watson back, if he gets very good early on. Um, yes, it's an interesting one. The... And then and to the point about the, the Rams and the Cardinals, I think the Rams-Bucks game last week felt like a lose-and-you're-done game this game definitely for those two teams. 
you're either three and six or three and seven. If you lose that game, I think it's pretty obvious your your season's done if you lose that. I think the one that I'm really interested to see is the Cowboys Packers because there's a lot going to be told about. The moment the Cowboys are sitting six and two, obviously, so are the Giants, the Cowboys got to keep winning. The Packers, obviously, we've talked to. If the Packers lose and the Bears beat the Lions, the Bears are going to be a game ahead of the Packers, which would be quite amusing given some of the preseason chats that we had in particular. But, you know, I think there's a lot to, to come out of that. Really interesting tonight as well as to look on Twitter for any breaking news via Clubhouse. And again, I'm going to reference PFF here because it's them that have tweeted it. Devondre Campbell has said on Jordan Love, he's a starting quarterback. He's better than a lot of starting quarterbacks in the context of how good Jordan Love is. Interesting to see an active Green Bay Packer say anything like that at all. Of course, he's going to tuck up his back and quarterback, but that just gives a very easy pull quote to further ram down Aaron Rodgers' throat. So, you know, I'm surprised we didn't see Jordan Love against the Lions. I think at one point it looked as though he was maybe coming into the game. What did he do against the Cowboys? Against Mick McCarthy that knows them pretty well. Got emotional himself when he was talking about what he missed from his time in Green Bay. Good people up there. Um, but yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see what comes out of that one. Um, okay, any other news items tickling your fancy before we wrap this bumper edition up? I I just feel like we didn't we really didn't touch on the fact that we had a podcast versus podcast game this week. Paul's been he's been very quiet about it, and. He's been very quiet because there were no refereeing decisions that he could blame the defeat on. In fact, if there was one big play that was decided by the refs, it was a bad pass interference call that wiped off a Ravens interception. You know, what What pleased me about the game on Monday night was the better team won and there was no refereeing controversy. That's what you want in a game of football. Um, what, what pleased me about that game was all of it. <laughs> take, take, take your wins when they come I've no problem with that whatsoever um, the Saints interesting from the Saints point of view there's a lot of heat coming on the coaching staff um, that's that's the storylines coming out in New Orleans um, a lot of the fans still how, with the players but there's a lot of stick coming in for how, would you, how would you fix the Saints so like map out the next two seasons because obviously there's like a lack of draft picks this upcoming season. There's a lot of cap issues. Like what what would be the things that you would because you know you don't have the the picks to go and really chase big things that probably have to be fixed. Like what what would how would you map out success there? You know it's interesting. The you know should the Saints have traded Kamara to get picks back? Yes or no? That was an interesting one. Now. For the season, to me, the answer is no. For the overall ability, yeah, I probably would have traded them and seen what we could have got back. I think they've got to land in a young quarterback somewhere. You know my feelings. James Winston's not the answer. Andy Dalton's not the answer either. Um, so they've got to sort out what they want to do with their quarterback. Um, and they've got to look at the head coach as well and decide whether Dennis Allen is the person to rebuild them. He looks a little bit timid in some of his decision-making. Some of the the schemes or or the calls, I mean, how often, for example, the Ravens got right round the side 
of the Saints and forced Dalton back. I mean, you talked about, you know, Houston might not have the greatest night, but I mean, he kept getting his name called. You know, so I think there's a lot of worrying. If the same thing keeps happening to you, you've got to do something about it and get beat a different way. And that that's certainly from from the the most of the game that I watched didn't look like it. So I I I would have traded Kamara, taken the draft picks, figured out what you want to do with a quarterback because to me the quarterback's not in the building. I wonder I wonder if they could have got like say a second round pick from the Bills for Kamara because at that point it would have been a pretty useful trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I think given where teams are on the cusp and, you know, Kamara can make the difference, you might be able to hold out, you know, for a second, uh, potentially say a fourth or a fifth as well to come alongside that. I think there was there was certainly value to be had and I don't think there's value anywhere else. I mean, there's no Jarvis Landry. There's no Michael Thomas at the moment. You know, my, I mean, Michael Thomas has been a write-off for the last two years. Is Michael Thomas a write-off him? full stop now? Like, is it, there a question that he ever comes back? It's certainly looking like that, Cameron. You cannot miss two seasons as a wide receiver and expect to come back and hit the ground running. So, you know, you're looking at your your key players, and he was one of these, these key players. So New Orleans is in a bit of a mess. The, the team, and I mentioned it earlier because I like the way both lines have played. Atlanta, to me, are the strongest-looking team coming through in that division for the next two or three years. I think they're the ones that have got the building blocks in place, and it should be their time. Carolina's still a mess. Tampa is going to face life after Tom at some point, and that's not going to be particularly pretty. And the Saints are a mess as well. So I think Atlanta are looking good. I, I thought the interesting thing for Carolina was... The, the offer they got for Brian Burns was two first-round picks. Now, on the surface of that, you're like, okay, take that. Because you're not... The Panthers aren't competing for a couple of seasons. Brian Burns, I think, is a very good pass rusher, young pass rusher. What makes me not want to take those picks is it was the Rams and it was 2024 and 2025. And if you're a general manager or a head coach, you're not going to use those picks for way too long to make it worthwhile and justifiable. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, they would have to try and turn those picks into picks for next year. And obviously you lose value out of that as well as you go along. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think what we're seeing in New Orleans is what we, we see right across the NFL. You cannot be great year after year after year after year. It's, the Saints will have a dip and they might have a dip for two or three seasons here. A couple of other news items that are just breaking in the last wee while. Uh, Jonathan Abrams being released by the Raiders as they move on from yet another former first-round pick. The Rams have waived Terrell Burgess. He's away. The other one that's quite interesting, and we talked about how Jeff or uh, Patsy Saturdays come in to to see the season out to a, a crashing mess. Uh, he's appointed 30-year-old pass game specialist, assistant quarterback coach Parks Frazier as his offensive play caller. Um, so you've Park, got it. What's it? Parks Frazier? Parks Frazier. He's basically <laughs> named after as many sitcoms. As- I was just about to say that. What? <laughs> Middle name recreation. I, people are like, obviously the, the name thing I think is funny, but like a lot of people are up in arms about the fact he's going to be the play caller. Based on who they had available to them, like he's the 
pass game coordinator, whatever it is. So yeah. I think context of an inexpe- very inexperienced offensive coordinator behind a very inexperienced head coach is a bit of a oh geez, like if you're inexperienced, at least put someone in there that has some experience that can yeah, who, guide who you. Was, who was the experienced option? Well, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, it's it's going to go one of two ways. They're going to get the new head coach or head coach fire and bounce, and they're going to beat the Raiders this week. Also, doesn't hurt that the Raiders aren't great at all. Or they're going to bottom out and not win a single game the rest of the year. I also don't think that's a bad thing. You know, the, the AFC South is not a great division. Bottom out, get the first overall pick, take a quarterback, reload. They, they've drafted pretty well. They've signed a lot of good players over the last few years, but they've just taken really low ceiling swings at quarterbacks. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Just go and, go and get a cheap guy who even... Here, here's Well, here's a question for you, Gordon, right? So... I mean, there's no guarantee you're going to get the first pick in the draft because there's some other pretty bad teams in the NFL, right? But you're going to get you're going to get the the ability to pick um, one out of five guys coming out that are going to be what could be seen as first round quarterbacks. Okay, do you trust a franchise that brings in Jeff Saturday um, and benches Matt Ryan? Do you trust them as a franchise to select the correct quarterback that's going to lead that franchise for the next 10 years? Or do you <laughs> see them just doing a, a complete Arizona and taking Matt Leiner and Josh Rosen and just ballsing everything up? So so my opinion on that will be entirely based on the reasoning behind the Jeff Saturday hire. If the Jeff Saturday hire was done just to see what happens the rest of this season if we have Jeff Saturday as head coach and Sam Ellinger as quarterback. wonder how many games we might win. I think it's a great idea, and I probably do trust them. If they made it because the owner decided, I want Jeff Saturday, who's currently on ESPN, as my head coach, because I talked to him two weeks ago at the ceremony for uh, Tariq Glenn, yeah, that's probably more of a questionable point. It'd be funny if they do just well enough to stay out of the top two picks in the draft, because that's going to be that's going to be uh, Bryce Young and it's going to be uh, Stroud from Ohio State, right? Yeah. One of those two, and then you then start getting into the picks where you need to prove your worth as a GM and a scouting department to ascertain the next three or four guys who do we bring in. It'd be so funny if they get into that mix and then they just become completely and utterly hogtied because they've got no clue what they're doing. Tanking, and to be clear, I'm not saying they are definitely tanking, but tanking in the NFL is not that easy to do. We've seen it over the years. The team who absolutely tries to tank quite often does not wind up with the first overall pick. I think we saw the Jets try and do it the Trevor Lawrence here. We saw the Dolphins look to be attempting to do it the Joe Burrow year. And the tough thing is, is like you have professional football players on your team. And a Colts team that has Sam Ellinger at quarterback is probably not going to be particularly good the rest of the year. But they do have guys like Shaq Leonard. They do have guys like Michael Pittman at wide receiver. They've got Quentin John, Nelson at guard. Yeah, like they've got they've got players that play hard. And in, in the NFL, as I said earlier, there's times where games are going to be won a little bit based on luck. You know, them falling their way into another win or two the rest of the year, and that puts them at five 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 wins, and they've already got a tie. 
at that point you're maybe you're maybe like fourth or fifth pick overall. I do I do quite like if you don't get the top two though I do quite like like uh, Levis from Kentucky. There you go. Right. Uh, I think that probably wraps everything up for um, this episode. Actually, I say that there's one other thing we do need to talk about because it's although it's week eleven, it's happened right now. There's been the first flex of the season. Um, as Sunday night football next week will no longer be the Bengals versus the Steelers. It will now be the Chargers versus the Chiefs, which is a very sensible flex. Love to see it. It's there for them to use. Brilliant. We'll talk about that game in more depth next week, I'm sure. But good decision, right? Very good. That's I'm I'm over in America that week, so I was going to be subjected to the rare time where you can watch the primetime game. Gordon, you're over in every single country in the world except for North Korea because they don't actually get pro football focus through there. It's not just America that you're over in. It's everywhere. We love you. I mean physically, Ian. I will physically (laughs) be there. Uh, The one other bit to watch. The one other bit. If we actually have any listeners in North Korea, could you tweet us, please? That would be really interesting. It is one of the countries we have yet to have a download from. However, I do wonder whether the downloads from there would be blocked from our vision anyway. So, yeah, if you're in North Korea, do drop us a tweet. Or <laughs> that, is, that is the best podcast line we've ever had. If you're listening in North Korea, drop us a tweet. Not only do they not have probably access to podcasts, I mean... Or Twitter's. Or Twitter, Elon Musk will try and get I mean, us unblocked in, in n- North Korea. None Brilliant. of us are going to have access to Twitter in about two weeks' time at this rate. Oh, so. indeed. <laughs> I'm getting my blue check mark, don't you worry? The one other bit of news is that there is a possibility that this weekend could see our first snow game of the season, as there was Ooh. snow forecast earlier in Buffalo for that game against the Vikings. So... Obviously, weather reports are subject to change and are never fully accurate, especially this far out. But the conversation. I don't, I don't think you need started. to give a legal disclaimer for the weather, Cameron. Don't I'm just listen. No, I'm just going to have a bunch of people tweeting me the weather forecast for Buffalo tomorrow. But it says sun. I love sun. You, you. Don't feel like you need to give a legal disclaimer when you're asking people in North Korea to. <laughs> send us a tweet but you do but you do give a disclaimer when you're talking about the weather yeah people in north korea risking life and limb to contact us via vpns and try to smuggle tweets out the country but you're worried about these nutty guys in buffalo going it's not because i promise no right yeah that'll do it yeah that's the full-time whistle for episode 209 and much like the raiders we had an early lead and we've absolutely blown it but thank you for taking the time to listen to this in every single podcast. Continue to share your thoughts at Scotland NFL on Twitter and look for us on a number of different social media channels. Episode 209, nine being the number of points scored by the Green Bay Packers at the weekend. It all comes together rather nicely. My thanks to Gordon McGuinness, to Ian Stephen, to Cameron Hobbs, for me, Paul Mitchell. Until next week, bye for now. Nine is also the answer to anybody that asks for a prawn bratwurst in the stadium on Sunday um, for the box game. God, I hope we've stopped recording by now. No.